0: But see, I think, I think also since America is the youngest nation in the world, it's so fitting that we also can be the most distracted. We can be the most powerful nation in the world, but we can also be the most distracted nation in the world. And uh, so I don't think we stick with something. Really, you know, we get the opportunity to travel all around the world. And uh, we were in Malta last year, and when we started talking, or a couple years ago, and when we started talking about American history, they kind of laughed at us. <laughs> They're like, America doesn't have history yet. And our driver in Malta explained to us, he goes, the house I live in is older than your entire nation. That's and crazy. He, and he, and he, <laughs> he took us to his house, and his house was 400 years old. Holy cow. Oh, and wow. uh, <laughs> It's just amazing to see, you know. And, and Bono, of you two, he says it best. He says "A." Uh, America is not really a nation. It's just a really good idea, and uh, and everything. I think one thing that COVID has shown us, or the situation that our nation is in, is showing us that that life is, is very fragile, and uh, and none of us are indestructible. No nation is indestructible. Uh, but also, um, one one thing that I like to I like to remind ourselves is: is no nation under God. No nation is superior to another. No race is superior to another.
1: This is the Interview Podcast on the Midlink Podcast Network in Link, South Dakota. I'm Craig Weinberg, sitting in the studio today with a few guests that we've, uh, I think, wanted to try to get on for a couple years now.
2: Now (laughs) now you do though, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Daryl Levy's with us,
3: everybody.
0: (laughs) Who's that? The Daryl Levy.
1: (laughs) Uh, Daryl brought some friends today that we've, you've known way longer than probably anyone else in town, maybe.
2: Maybe,
1: uh, Josh oh, Brewer good. and
3: I, cr- cr- Chris Crenshaw. Chris Crenshaw, Chris. you're you're a like young staff, newbie, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm a newbie. It's like my third time in Milbank. <laughs>
1: well, how about that? All right, so you be quiet, go back to work. Yeah, yep. <laughs> <Get out>. uh, <laughs> what I get told all the time.
3: Right.
1: So, Josh, you, um, what was the first year you guys? You came to Millbank.
0: Uh, so back in the first year, the organization that we worked for called Light came to Millbank was in 2006. I think the first time that I had a chance to come to Millbank probably would have been in 2008, and uh, and I've been coming back ever since. That was the year I moved to this town. Was it really? Weird. Can we take credit for that? Can we just say <laughs> that you moved to town when, when Millbank so started coming? Th-
1: there was, it was interesting to me because I, I grew up in Oregon, and- um, the concert scene was something that I did quite a bit but we lived about three hours south of Portland which that's where all the real shows happened and so we'd have to go there <clears throat> but me and a couple friends uh, we started it, I, I didn't start it I wasn't um wasn't my brainchild but we jumped on with a couple friends and we had a thing called Rock for Reason so once I think once a month we did a show for almost a year at the local like legion club or i think it was the american legion just a little old crappy building but we brought brands uh brands brands bands like showbread back when oh, they were yeah. something uh emory before they yeah. were emory when they were emory music way back those <laughs> crazy kids um when they had
3: myspace <laughs> yes yes and so that like
1: the oh the how we sound miss world, myspace <laughs> the live sound world something i've been in a long time um but moving out here, I was like, okay, I'm going to middle of nowhere. You know, flat land, there's not a lot here. And then in Milbank, this little tiny town, Project 86 shows up. Really? Which to me, I thought was insane. Because That's amazing. Because for me, like in the late 90s, their first album, their self title. I think in 96 is when that came out. That was a big part of my, my youth, that album. And yeah. so it was phenomenal to be able to go to little town Milbank and then- have them. You know, back in high school, they were kind of idols at some level to me. I had oh, yeah. the guys. I had old I had Andrew's poster on my wall.
0: They were so that was deal. cool.
1: And that was a lifelike show. That was that oh uh, nine. It must have probably been. Probably would have been one of the I, first I think it ones. Was yeah. yeah, it was one of the first yeah. ones. Yeah. yeah. And that's where I met Eric Samuel Tim. Oh yeah. At that show, and I think Disciple was there too. Oh yeah. So that was a.
0: That was, man, that was a great. That tour. was a cool lineup. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to bands like that? I mean, Disciple is still around, but. Now they just scare the children.
2: But <laughs> <laughs> well, music is different nowadays. Now these kids are
0: racing cars fast and listening to Justin Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> that's too bad. What happened <laughs> that's that's yeah. too, that's that's too, too, too bad. So
1: what um like that was so that was your first time in Millbank around then? Yep. Um How many times has it been now? So oh, every man, year I've, since I've then bet just about we've
0: been coming back at least once a year since two thousand six. Uh, the last few years has changed the magnitude of which we've been coming, of course over mm-hmm. the last three or four years instead of doing a concert, we're now doing an outdoor festival uh, here in Millbank uh, each year, which has been incredible. But yeah, I, I think it's safe to say we've been coming back every year since 2006.
2: Probably sooner than because Rob, I know Rob Kurtenbach was in yep. doing tours before that too. So. Yep. Uh
0: huh. Yeah. It started with Rob working at Life Light, and the 2006 was the first tour because I remember we promoted at the festival in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We promoted that we want to come to your community. Just invite us or something right. like that. And uh, the first person that called was Tom from Millbank, and, uh, and then we met Daryl, and and then it just spiraled out of control from there. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I, I
3: will say my first time yeah. meeting Daryl though we were on a cutlass tour um by Millbank and our oh, van yeah, that's our, right. our van, my first time going out with lifelight Light. That's so rough um, yeah <laughs> it was man, it was hardcore. <laughs> um our fifteen passenger van blew up on the Interstate and uh I was actually driving and it just started smoking everywhere and so it obviously overheated and Literally five minutes later, this guy in an F-350 pulls up <laughs> and happens to have the right parts for every detail in the motor.
1: You've met and him, right?
3: I yeah. Y- yeah. Yeah, that was it. We and call so, him the MacGyver. <laughs> yeah, the
0: MacGyver. Right. <laughs> um, this is true. So
3: that that was a pretty cool first experience meeting Daryl and being out in the middle of nowhere, South Dakota, because I'm from Southwest Missouri. And so, I mean, you get those kinds of people, but not nobody's that nice in Southwest Missouri. Really? I mean, you know. It's kind of sketch around those parts. I can—I don't want to go into any detail, so, but, so, but you just pray not to break down out in the middle of nowhere in Missouri, because you might
0: not leave. Is you, that the?
3: Well, no, no. All right, yeah. never
0: mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, where unspeakable yeah, things happen. Lots Excellent. of things, unless Excellent. you
3: break down in front of the Bass Pro, then it's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like run this. out of money quick. You do.
1: Yes. So, um, just a very short. Uh, I, I don't want exhaustive because we have other things to talk about that I, I are pertinent for today, but just a short clip, uh, just a little bit of how you got to this point.
0: <laughs> well, how I got to this point, man, I'm still trying to figure that out myself. What am I doing here? Um, so uh, so I started working for Light back in 2008, and uh, uh, it's just been an incredible time of getting to travel the world, and, and most importantly, not so much what we do, but who we get to partner with and uh, and seeing seeing people do amazing things all over the world you know people really are doing incredible things and uh, in today's culture there's so many reasons to be angry there's so many reasons to be upset uh, there's so many reasons to be frustrated but man when you look at when you when you open up your eyes and you look around you can truly see People doing amazing things all around the world, and uh, we've seen that here in Millbank. We've seen that in other countries that we've been in. Mm-hmm. We've seen that in Sioux Falls. We've seen that in our in our great Midwest culture that we have here. Uh, I mean, there are problems happening all around the world for sure, and we know that. And and not all of it is is uh, is all hyped up, but um, but I think you can really look around. And sadly, the media is not. Uh, hate doesn't sell, Our hate sells stories much more than love does, and uh, and and so we're out here to change culture. We'd, we'd change culture in the name of Jesus because Jesus was all about love, and so that's what we're trying to do here, and uh, so that's in short kind of how we wound up here. We've, we've said yes to this calling. We've said yes to this mission, and uh, we've been traveling the world ever since, and through a number of festivals or concerts or outreaches. Uh, we partner with the local church. We partner with the local business leaders and uh, we're out here to change culture and uh, maybe speak of something that, that the media doesn't always feel comfortable speaking to.
1: How has it changed in the last 12 years?
0: Um, I think it's changed quite drastically. I think on one hand, uh, uh, I think people speak with a reverency and it's a, and it's a growing thing. People speak with a, a certain reverence towards the church and towards ministry. You know, it used to be back in like you talk about the 90s or some of these bands and, and the 2000s with Project 86 and stuff. We used to like, oh, no, you can't do a you can't do a concert inside of a church. Kids won't come. Uh, but I think that day is over. I think. Uh, kids are, kids are longing for something and, and there's a cause tied to things and kids want, kids nowadays want to be a part of a cause. And, uh, and so I think that's one thing that, that's changed a lot is it doesn't matter if it's in a church or if it's in a gym or wherever you're doing an event, if a kid believes in the cause and, and the, and the focus is there with the, the other kids coming around side of him, I think that's one thing we've seen change in the, the different generations is no longer are people afraid to go into a church, um, especially the younger generations. They're actually longing for, for something to be tied to. They're longing for something to stand for. And I think you see that even in, in reflection with uh, what's going on with the, the terrible tragedy that happened in Minneapolis and, and uh, many other organizations around the country. People want to belong to a cause. They want to be a part of something bigger than themselves now more than ever. And I think that's one thing we've seen in uh, change in culture. It's July
1: 2020. Uh, We are, as a nation, again in the throes of um, unprecedented level of government control in our lives. To attempt in to what end, or you're you know to attempt to stave off a virus, Mm -hmm. the the industry that you work within requires or it did uh, a crowd. Mm-hmm. typically in in an indoor setting you know, as a whole, you get the outside stuff, but it requires a crowd. Mm-hmm. What is going to happen to the concert world going forward?
0: Well, thankfully, uh, I like to say that, that we aren't concert promoters, um, and I feel for the people who are concert promoters that make their living off of that, make their living off of drawing a crowd or selling tickets, or because um, I feel for that because that industry, as we know it, uh, is really coming to a crashing halt. I mean, it has come to a crashing halt, and no one knows how long it's going to be mm-hmm. asleep for. Um But thankfully, our organization, although we do events, we do events for a cause. But more important than how we facilitate this cause that we stand for uh, is why we do what we do. Um, We don't do events for a living. We don't do events for the sole purpose of doing an event. We do an event because uh, we think that that's the best tool that God has given us to change culture. But it's not the only tool. And so when we can't do events, our organization, our ministry, still stands strong. Uh, we just search for other ways to uh, to facilitate the cause of which God has given us, and uh, so that's that's one thing. And maybe Chris can speak a little more to that. Nashville, as a whole, is is hurting right now because mm-hmm. no bands are able to do shows, yeah. no no agencies are getting paid, no uh, no managers are getting paid, and promoters. Uh, I mean, just just this morning, I was reading up on uh, on a Midwest promoter uh that you can sense in how they're communicating to people that they're hurting right now and they're looking for anything and everything they can do to pull in income. Mm-hmm. Uh and so our heart goes out to them, we pray for them, uh, but we are not event promoters. Um we we exist for a cause and uh and everything we do is for that cause. Well, and if we what's can't your, do concerts
1: <clears throat> I mean at this point because it's I mean, we're still new in this. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I don't think it's going anywhere. If you listen to all the governors around us, South Dakota is unique in that we haven't, we don't have a, I don't think over overreaching governor. So Mm -hmm. that's, you know, there's, you can decide how that works for you. But um, a lot of these states, they don't have that option because their government is, is really controlling what you can do. I mean, I I read an article yesterday um, in Texas, they're encouraging people to, to, um to start wearing masks when you're inside your own house um and and, and so it, it's just an interesting level of, yeah. of reach into our lives um the people that you work with though, I mean, yeah, you guys you do have a bigger picture, but the reality of it it's centered around the the draw of of a musical act mm-hmm. um what's the plan going forward when that may not be as accessible as it was yeah for mm-hmm. what you guys want to do?
0: You know, as a as a dreamer, and we're really a team of evangelists, but really young entrepreneurs is what I like to. We get very creative. You know, uh, Henry Ford said a uh, long time ago. He said, "Man, if I were to ask people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses." Um, and and I I love that quote because. Sometimes people don't know what they want until you show them, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, so people may label Life Light. Oh, you do concerts, you do events. Well, that's not all we do, you know. And, uh, and and speaking of Jesus, who to those who don't understand him, Jesus is the most controversial character who's who's ever walked the earth. Uh, to people d- that don't understand, and those that don't have ears to hear and eyes to see. And they can't see the love behind some of the statements and some of the things that he said was not controversial, but was out of love. And so along with those same lines, um, at Lifelight, people label us concerts or, or events. Um, we get the opportunity to represent Jesus through the events that we do, but also we get the opportunity to represent Jesus when we're walking down the street or when we're sitting in somebody's home or uh, as the church. We can represent Jesus, whether it's through an event or sitting here doing a podcast, or who we might come in ta- contact with. You know, I get interviewed all the time by uh, by um, news stations or by the media. And, man, even in these conversations, even within the interviews, we get the opportunity to be a light, and, uh, and that, that blows my mind every time. God opens doors for us every time.
3: Yeah, I also um, I think we're in a really awesome season. As difficult as, <clears throat> like, this virus has— caused a lot of heartache and a lot of stress um, especially on ministries when you just going back to the whole Nashville scene you know when it comes to our festivals uh, because we have multiple uh, in 2020 uh, I've been talking with the agents and like hey how are you guys doing like just trying to spark conversation they're like man we're we're screwed Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like honestly like we're in we're in deep trouble but then they always follow up with that like "We're, we're still doing this though we're gonna keep pushing on and luckily as far as the artist goes um, a lot of them are well off already due to just years of doing what they do or they're plugged into a church where they're um, worship leaders, pastors or whatever. So they're able to make ends meet. Um, a couple artists have picked up jobs in, you know, Kroger's or Hy-Vee's or wherever they live. Um, but going, going back to your question that you asked Josh, I think it's really cool. We, we sat down with uh, several pastors this morning here in Millbank and they were talking about um, having to learn um, how to use new technology and just adapting to this culture and our word at LifeLight has been pivot. And uh, granted, we we wanted to do the the twelve festivals we had uh, going on this year. We wanted to go into the prisons that we had planned, uh, but then something you know COVID happened. So we could we could be uh, bummed out sitting at home and uh, not doing anything, or we could still be out there doing ministry. And that was something Josh said to our team was. Um we just even though we're not doing a festival doesn't mean that we shouldn't stop doing ministry. So what does this look like? And we all came together and we're like, "Well, let's go into the cities and serve those cities and meet needs of people." And every need was different. We've done fishing clinics where we just hung out with people around a big fishing pond and, you know, went fishing and uh ate some hot dogs. It was awesome. And then we've, you know, we've painted uh, you know, houses or little snack shacks at baseball fields within the communities. We partnered with the mayors and we've done a lot of different things. And so it is really cool to see how even though COVID is, uh, you know, COVID and then now, uh, again, the tragedy that happened in Minneapolis, these riots and protests, like everything just escalated so, so quick. But now we get to go into the smaller communities and just serve them, but then see growth happen because even though churches can't technically meet, at least some of them can't meet due to um, the coronavirus and also just the different cultures everybody's in and the government's. Uh, churches are now being forced to stretch and go on social media. We we are are meeting to we our office building is in a church and that church is what a hundred something years old. It's yeah. it's really old and the pastor is one of the youngest members and he's seventy four years oh, old. Man. Uh, so it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> but he came out into our staff meeting one day. It was about a month ago and he was freaking out because on their live stream they had fifty people watch their live stream and they usually average about. 30, 40 people a week. So he's like, man, we're we're winning. Yeah, we're killing it right now. So, I mean, like a lot of these people are now being stretched to go on Facebook Mm because that's the only way to reach their congregation. But really, it's making a bigger impact than they believe. So I think it's really cool how how the Lord is really using this season um, for churches as well. Mm -hmm. And people that aren't good with uh, technology are now learning technology more than ever. So it it is a really uh, unique, unique time.
1: Well, it is interesting because I was talking to my cousin. He's got a pastor. He pastors a church in Oregon on the coast. And throughout all of this, um, you know, they've they've been forced. You know, they wanted to go down the road of some some technology. Um, They just last year updated to a digital console and actually got real speakers in their church. Mm. Um, But this forced change for them has actually allowed them to reach many times more people yep. than they were ever reaching before. Yep. And it is because of that. So now something scrolls in front of your your feed, you might jump in there. Now maybe you're in there for two minutes. Yeah. It's some you ne- You never would have walked in the door. Right. And so it really is an opportunity for us to, um, you know, to, to kind of adapt the method a little bit and see, you know, mm-hmm. what's the, how can we reach the most people? And really it goes back to the, the purpose. What is the right. goal right. of, yep uh, of, you know, of what you guys are doing every day it is, is yeah. it to create a big event with a lot of people mm. or is it to change lives? And yeah, right. you know, if that's the, it's the, whichever one's top. And so yeah. I, am intrigued to know how you guys are just adapting your, your strategy to, to yeah. accommodate. Cause I mean, you could just stop and cross your arms and go boo, boo us right? or you move on and you attempt to change lives still.
0: Yep. Yeah. And one of the things I just want to encourage, uh, churches all around the nation, um, because uh, the, the, the vehicle that we get to use to, to do or to fulfill our mission that God has given us is changing. And uh, the mission hasn't changed, and uh, how we're going to accomplish that hasn't changed, but the vehicle of which we arrive at that destination is changing. And uh, so I just want to encourage pastors and churches out there, to think outside the box and okay maybe it's wise that we don't meet on sunday morning if that's what god's asked you to do or if that's that's what's wise with wherever you're from and whatever city you're you're located in uh but we're not to be fearful you know god asks us to be to have wisdom but not to be fearful you know the world who doesn't have the hope that's in Jesus? I see sometimes that they are fearful. They're they're concerned. They're they're frustrated. They're angry. But we, as the church, we have this hope. We have this joy. We're called to be wise, uh, but we're not called to be fearful. And uh, and we have to maybe we can't meet on Sunday morning. Maybe we can't do festivals. But now is the time. And the church, the world needs the church now more than ever. And whether that means. Uh, uh, you're delivering groceries to someone's house or you praying over somebody or you just calling someone or, or messaging them on social media saying hey man how can I be here for you um, that is at the very core of who Jesus is that he loved people and he uh, you know there's nothing wrong with our beautiful church buildings there's nothing wrong with projector screens and sound systems and and lighting and, and all the, this cool stuff that he's given us as tools and the ability to communicate the message but if all that goes away uh, the core of who Jesus is, is still intact, and his victory has never been questioned, and his victory has never faded, um, and uh, and has never been challenged. And so I think that we have to remind ourselves that as the church, if we can't do a festival, I'm cool with that, but I'm not okay in not doing anything, and the ch- the world needs the church now. Uh, More than ever has. So I just want to encourage churches going, hey, the victory is still intact. So there's nothing we need to worry about. But also let's think outside the box. You know, when I think about Henry Ford and that quote that, you know, he designed the the Ford cars, it's like, man, if you would ask people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. So let's think outside the box. I believe wholeheartedly that the church should be the most creative people on the planet. Um, and, uh, man, we just got to have the freedom to think and dream and, uh, and to ask God of things, you know, it says in scripture to him who can do abundantly more than all we could ever ask or think, man, that's a crazy verse. That's, I love reading that because it's like, man, have I asked God for enough? Have I had big enough dreams for God? If he can do all that I could think and, and, and all that I could ask him for, do we ask him for enough or should we be asking him for more? Mm-hmm. Should we be dreaming bigger for God? And that doesn't necessarily mean spending more money, having larger budgets, and doing the. But what does that mean? And I think for all of us, it might mean mean something a little bit different. Might look a little bit different. Uh, but I think we all need to be reminded of that from time to time. How does the,
1: the in, in the Christian music world, um, oh, well, this was Hawk Nelson, the singer, lead singer yep. from Hawk Nelson, has just recently come out as a, uh, a a convert away from, yep. the faith he's held supposedly for so long. What what is the music uh, what is the Christian music mentality from the inside? I mean you, you see it a lot more than most people would. Um, what what is the sentiment there? Is is this a a new fad?
0: I think uh I think anytime someone steps out in full-time ministry whether it's you're in a band or you're a pastor or you're an evangelist or or you're serving God anywhere in full-time ministry, or maybe it's you've taken on a the heart of a full-time minister in your secular job or in your worldly job. Anytime someone takes on the calling of Christ, you're going to be subject to attacks from Satan. Uh it says in scripture that um there there's a scripture in Acts where it talks about, man, this guy trying to cast out this demon and Satan responds to him and goes, Okay, Jesus, I know and Paul I've heard of, but who are you? And I take that as as I ask myself that all the time, like, man, do I threaten Satan enough? Do I threaten all that he stands for? Anger, hatred, violence, uh do i threaten the culture of satan enough to where he has to know my name Mm. and those that are out there doing that very thing they need our prayers and and we need to be lifting each other up we need to be praying for each other uh so it's a it's a sad story with what's happened with with hawk nelson we we know those guys we we pray for those guys um we're not uh uh, we're not putting him down we're we're loving on him still just like we would anybody else um But, uh, but I think anytime someone steps out, uh, it's not all glamorous and it's not all, um, it's not always fun. Uh, and so we need to be praying for each other in that.
3: Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, when I saw that I was really bummed and, uh, as Josh said, we are praying for John and, and just that new season. But what's really cool is that he's not closed out. Like he hasn't, he's not like, I'm done. He's like, I want to hear your thoughts, you know, and I want to know where you guys stand. And, uh. I I mean I, I'm I'm really em bummed and I think a part of it is um, just from what I've seen in the industry, living in Tennessee and having having close friends that are you know in bands all over the biggest thing they don't have is for one accountability and for two true like legitimate mentorship and uh, pastors to like walk alongside them and you know I was at this festival <clears throat> and I was with some of my Australian friends and Um, you know, they, it's like, they're one of their first times in the States, you know, we're just hanging out and there was this artist, uh, backstage and he was a solo guy, very well known in the industry. And, uh, my buddy sat down and just started sparking a conversation with this artist. And, and he was like, how are you doing? And he just welled up with tears. And he was like, nobody's asked me that in the last Mm -hmm. two years. He's like, I'm going through a massive Mm -hmm. divorce and just spilled. Mm -hmm. And he literally was going on stage and like, you know, within that hour and just like, that that to me spoke so much volume because how many times i mean we put so much like i believe that um you know us as you know for me as a kid growing up listening to christian music i i honestly put way too much trust in into that radio and into that song that when i actually meet the people that you know that i'm like dude i'm your biggest fan <laughs> i mean i'm like why well, you guys are jerks <laughs> you know um but but it's not you know it's not really about that it's just like You you know, there's a lot of people you don't understand that literally don't. um, They're not able to express themselves because nobody ever asked that question. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares about that relationship. And, you know, with John, I I don't know where he's at. I don't know where where he's been. But based off that post, um, he obviously grew up in a Christian background. And maybe he's had uh, experiences that he never mentioned uh, with that. He made a comment that there are a lot of artists that, um, agreed with him, but are too afraid to speak up because of their career. Mm -hmm. Um, he's probably most likely right. And that, that sucks to say, but I mean, again, it goes back to, uh, we're called to be the church. And I believe that that's almost where we failed at times because we put so many people on a pedestal and Josh has a really cool story at one of the festivals, uh, just encountering even Justin Bieber. Um, but just like, it's so easy for me. I'm I'm such a fanboy. I'll be honest. Since I'm on this podcast, John Foreman, if you're listening to this, you're a legend, and I love Switchfoot. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I mean, but I I really I really feel that we we lose sight of that. We just see a person, and we see this almighty artist that everybody knows and whatever. And I mean, even if I I have met John Foreman, and he proved me wrong because. I'm not trying to go into a lot of detail, but I was at this coffee shop in Nashville, and he sat down next to my friend and I, and I'm just freaking out. But then he he threw me off by turning around and talking to us about life. And he was like, "Are you guys into music?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, man." He's like, (laughs) "He's like, yeah, I'm in yours. Yeah, yeah, right." (laughs) And he was like, "Yeah, I'm in a band too." The most humble guy. He didn't even say who he was. He didn't even say like he was in Switchfoot. We knew that. Like we're both huge Switchfoot fans. At the you know in that you know, during that conversation, we're just like, yeah, okay, we know, but he was the nicest, coolest dude and didn't care about himself in that moment. Um, But as far as like it goes in the Christian industry, man, it is a sad reality that a lot of these artists don't have that one-on-one with pastors, that one-on-one with mentors to just be like, like separating the music and family and just like, hey, where where are you at? Like, let me help you. Let me so, I think
0: you. That, that, that not only goes for musicians, that goes for pastors. Yep. And, mm-hmm. and, Absolutely. and I mean, uh, taking a risk with saying this here, but it even goes for politicians. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, even if people you disagree with, you know, we're called to hate two things. We're called to hate sin and we're called to hate Satan. Everything else outside of that. We're called to love each other. And uh, so if you go to church this Sunday, um, go up to your pastor and encourage them because I guarantee yeah. that pastors also need that. It's um, good, job. Politicians, man, even if you disagree with them, they're our leaders and we're to pray for our leaders. Yeah. And uh, and right now it is not a fun time to be in leadership anywhere. It is not a fun time to be a pastor or a mayor or governor or president, senator. It is not a fun time for these people. Um, and so we need to be praying for them, lifting them up. And so... He goes for musicians, really anybody in leadership or anybody in the public eye. So many times we talk about these people like they're objects, uh, but they're not. Their fathers, their yeah. their um, their mothers, their sisters, brothers. I mean, uh, these are people that we're talking about. Right.
1: Well, it, it is interesting. I, I um, Senator Rounds came on probably about a month ago now, hmm. um, and we had a good chat. And it was interesting because something that's not really known about him. Is the amount of Bible studies he runs in D.C. Mm. I mean, he—I think there's, if I remember right, it's more than one a week that he Uh, oversees in D.C. weekly, and that's that's fascinating. That's information no one's gonna, the press will never put out. Yeah, but it does show a little bit about possibly the character of him. Mm -hmm. Um, going back to the the musicians, have we as a society and the Christian society, um. You know, you know, we see a lot of these Christian artists that that fail. And it's not because they're not people, it's because we've put them, like you said, we've raised them up into this this thing. Should we look at uh musicians as that's a job, or are they actually held to a different standard because of what they do? Should they be held to a different standard?
0: I think it also goes back into why are you doing what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I always encourage the musicians that we get to be around and like, man, don't just, don't just be good at your craft. Don't just be good at singing or playing an instrument, you know, um, understand why you're doing what you're doing mm-hmm. and the impact that you could have or the destruction that you could have with this talent that, that has got, God has given you. Um, so I think everybody needs to ask their questions, ask the questions. Why do you do what you do? Why do you get up in the morning? Um, do you get up in the morning to go and sell cars or to whatever your living is for? Um, or do you have a, a bigger purpose or a bigger cause in life and, uh, and tie yourself to a cause and, and then you That's won't good. regret uh, you won't regret what you do in your life.
3: Yeah. I think it is pretty cool too. Uh, we we've been hanging up a bunch of archives all around uh, our, our life Flight headquarters and uh, all the way back from 1998 when we first started and there's this picture of uh, Switchfoot, and they're like completely different. And that was when they were college students. And just like, you know, when Josh encountered Switchfoot a couple years ago at one of our festivals, John was like, "Dude, we were just college students. Like, it's almost like this was an accident for them. <laughs> you know, like we were just trying to make good music and encourage people, and then all of a sudden we blew up. You know. And so um, I, I do think uh, Josh is absolutely right. Just like hone in on what you really love and I believe that when you're doing what you're called to do you know I Tori and I she's my wife uh we moved here a year ago we moved to Sioux Falls from Nashville and that was that that wasn't because I, I love South Dakota because I've only been to South Dakota a couple times but that was because I genuinely felt called to leave the situation and the position I was in uh to move my family uh to a, a you know a whole nother state uh, you know, 16 hours away. So it, it is really cool to see when you hone in on a gift and a call that the Lord's placed in your life, the, how he'll just take off with that as well when you allow him to. So I believe that, you know, Josh is 100%. Some of these artists, it, it may have been that at one time, and now it's like, crap, if we don't keep moving forward, I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's now, okay, I got to drop that next radio hit, you know, to pay pay yeah. for my son's college. You know, so... Um yeah.
1: So get, getting back to the the point, why did Millbank fall on the radar for Lifelight?
3: We love Daryl in.
0: <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> where did that bell come from? I like that. <laughs> we always look for the places where simply put we always look for the places where we're invited to go. Okay. Um and so your community out there and you wanna see culture changed in your community, uh, then we're just waiting on your invitation. We'd love to expand more. We'd love yeah. to go to be in more communities, but the biggest thing is we want to go where we're invited. And uh and the churches in Millbank and Daryl and Tom and, and Bob, our our team here in Millbank is incredible. Yeah. Um and uh and the churches are amazing. We just came with the came came from a meeting with the mayor and the chief of police and uh They're just amazing. And, and they love what we do and they see the value in it. And so, uh, I think that was the, that's always the biggest part is I always look for, I'm like, man, are we, have we been invited and are the, are the churches and some of the community leaders in support of what we're doing? Yeah.
1: All right. And all your travels, what's the best restaurant you've eaten at?
0: Oh man. Dang it. (laughs) Uh, That's, that's very interesting. Um, in Antigua, Guatemala, um, because <laughs> uh, be, be, <laughs> simply because it's uh, it's one of my wife's favorite places to go. Uh, Antigua, Guatemala is this uh, there's like this five star restaurant in the midst of uh, just seemingly nothing. Uh, this is going to sound horrible, but seemingly nothing special. But then you find that one of the most special places in the midst of everything that seems ordinary. You find this extraordinary thing and uh and it's an incredible food incredible environment uh Mc- guatemala for some reason has the f- it's this 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 restaurant i'm talking about is not a mcdonald's but guatemala <laughs> down the street interestingly enough guatemala has the most fancy mcdonald's i've ever been in in my life um you go in there and there's like mahogany like their their menus are made out of mahogany wood and it's like and because these people interesting that these people in guatemala bought this mcdonald's and wanted to turn it into a a higher class sit down Restaurant, but and and everything, everything same food from the look of the place would look like a really high class restaurant in America, but you can still get your Big Mac. (laughs) But but the food is the same, and so it's it's the most uh, Twilight kind of thing that is happening in the midst of Antigua, Guatemala. But how about you, Chris? Oh
3: man, Josh, you're gonna laugh at me. Um, McDonald's, (laughs) yes, McDonald's. (laughs) McDonald's. Um, So. I've been to a lot of cool places. I make it a personal goal um, to hit up every local place. Like, if I'm visiting an area, like, I won't go after fast food unless I absolutely have to. So, So I'll try to find local. But we've been in Rock Valley about three times over the last two months, and there's this place called Cedar Rock. And they have the best beef cubes I've ever had in my entire life. Rock Valley, Iowa. No, hold hold uh, on one so second.
1: Just, just a second.
3: I, I'll just I say. I mean, it's beef, amazing,
1: but
0: Chris needs to get up. That, that's no, what I'm saying. Just a second.
3: You
1: beat
0: beef, beef my, cubes, which is what?
3: It, I mean. When beef, you cut up steak and,
1: and
0: deep make, fry it, right? Pretty
3: much. Yeah. Whatever they do to it. Literally the best, though. <laughs> Am I wrong, though?
0: So I mean, it's good, but it's I wouldn't good. I wouldn't put rock valley iowa on the top of my list for I, best places i've ever it, eaten here's but.
3: the thing i'm very passionate and when i think of something food right now i'm thinking of cedar rock like oh, wow. in that moment but
0: that, uh, that uh, one uh, product the, those, there
3: those beef cubes okay. that is good how about you it's, daryl it's pretty rad i'd
2: probably say i went to uh, germany Taco well Bell. i actually went to den denmark and did a missions trip with my cousin on 2000 2001 We traveled over to uh, Germany, Lübeck, Germany, and just going to a old German pub wiener schnitzel and apple strudel blood sausage <laughs> <laughs> uh, really uh, yeah and uh, just sitting <laughs> with you just say nostalgia that again? <laughs> <laughs> just sitting with nostalgia thinking you know this stuff was here when the wars were going on yeah i think th- just the, just the, this restaurant's older totally. than our nation yeah <laughs> right yeah, yeah, yeah exactly that <laughs> so so would be that was it was good that's i think about that often
0: mm, that's yeah. crazy Yep, and huh. and you favorite restaurant?
1: I'm th- I'm the interviewer here, okay.
0: <laughs> you can't turn that around. My favorite other.
1: restaurant currently uh, is actually Guadalupe's down the road from us. Oh yeah, here in Milbank. If you if you want, I I, don't, I love it.
0: That is very um, good.
1: One of my favorite most memorable meals uh, was in the bush in Uganda. Um,
3: Everybody's been out of the country. We, <laughs> we we went and and it's of course America's it's memorable because. <laughs>
1: I was, you know, in Africa, Um, but we went to this church, and afterward, they had cooked everyone that was with our team a meal. And there's chips of bone in the meat. Oh yeah. Um, But I don't know what they do to their cabbage. Best stuff in the world. And then the meat. Well, okay, (laughs) worms or something. Whatever it was. It was bones. (laughs) Uh, But but that that's the most memorable meal. Oh yeah.
3: See, you I never need, know I you're gonna get in other countries. Yeah. I need, I definitely need one of those experiences.
0: Yeah, delicacies in other countries <laughs> yeah, are uh, yeah. are yeah very interesting most of the time. But yeah, what is the
1: response of uh, the church to the cultural civil revolution that's boiling under right now?
0: Man, I I've been so uh, encouraged by the response of the local churches for the most part because. Churches are rising up. Churches are serving one another in in a capacity which I've not seen them do before. And uh, I think one of the things, though, um, as as I've spoken with a lot of uh, a lot of my friends of a different race, is that um, there's a there's a misunderstanding of what is racist and what is not. And uh, and this comes from a lot of my friends of another race of man just being. Uh, proud of who they are, and they are proud of who they who they are, and they should be. But we, as the church, and we as another race, should identify them as as such. And uh, so sometimes, um, what we understand is sounding racist um just the fact of reaching out and loving on one another and having loving each other so much to have open conversations about Mm -hmm. man how does this make you feel and 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 what happened here and and how can we help how can we come alongside you and support you and pray for you and love you as brothers and sisters of ours Um, but so many times uh, people view Asking those questions is something they're not supposed to ask, and uh, and I think uh, I think that's where some of the issue lies. Is we need to have open conversations, and uh, and people need to be willing to talk about that. And mostly, it comes from uh, it, it it comes from the church. You know, the church has kind of been unwilling to talk about some of those things, or or they haven't known how to talk about those things. But now we have it out there in society. We have it out there in the world where we should be having these open conversations out of loving one another and understanding and knowing that no race is superior to another under God. No race is superior to another. No nation is superior to another. And above everything else, we're called to be Christ followers. And then we're called to be Americans. And then we're called to be Democrats and Republicans. So that goes along with, uh, with race, with politics, with everything. We have to reorder our priorities and uh, and get those in line and then out of love uh, be willing to, to ask the right questions.
1: Is that a one-way street?
0: Uh, I don't think so. I think it goes along both ways, both sides of anything, whether it's politics or race. You have to be willing to listen and you have to be willing to speak out, out of love for each other to gain an understanding of what's going on.
1: It, 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 um, is there... See, this is what I personally struggle with a little bit um, is the sentiment. And I've got um, specifically some family in Wisconsin that um, were posting the other day. And these are like radical Pentecostal family. So they are, they're, they're crazies. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) we got nothing on them. Um, And and it was interesting to me because one of them posted on social media uh, a list of businesses that were owned operated by um African American people. And the comment with that was here's the list of the businesses you need to support. Hmm. Now, what I'm wondering is that feels like segregation and maybe maybe that's not maybe I'm only I'm missing part of it and I'm that's possible. But it feels like we are being encouraged at some level and we society to um only look at color and not character Mm -hmm. that seems contrary to martin luther king jr for sure yeah Yeah, absolutely Um, is that is is that just a a a little sliver Am, am i missing something or is that kind of the broader picture
0: I think we need to support one another in whatever way is possible. Um, and you know, as if, if we see someone going through a tough time, we're to support them. Mm-hmm. I mean, regardless of race, regardless of religion, regardless of political views, um, that's reprioritizing or, or re- putting a, a new order to our priorities. Um, and, uh, I do think that right now, uh, the black and the minority communities are hurting right now and, uh, and we need to support them. We need to lift them up, but more importantly, we need to have those conversations Mm -hmm. out of love and open with one another. And we, and, and on all sides, we need to be willing to listen we need to be willing to learn so that we have a better understanding of how we can love one another and how we can support one another. Because sometimes some of the things that we are doing, we think are in support, but it's not doing any good or minimal good or, or doing harm. Um, and uh, uh, so I think it, it just comes down to being willing to, to, out of love, have open and honest conversations with one another mm-hmm. and then learn from one another also.
1: So, Chris, we never actually got deep into how you actually, or the main reason you're here.
3: <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that <laughs> out. <laughs> Sorry, just how do he I just hold like my down, hands up. right now? Nice. <laughs> oh, man. So, why why I'm here. Well, man,
1: how did you get hooked up with LifeLite? What was I, that?
3: Man, it was honestly God, man. I, I grew up in a very dysfunctional home, um, and so having... I always start with that because the opportunities that the Lord's placed in my life. I you know when I was in middle school I had the principal over my middle school uh come up to me and want to say, "Hey, the Lord told me to teach you how to play drums." Out of 800 students and I'm like, "Dude, that's crazy." And so I started playing drums and uh, uh over the years, probably that was 8th grade year, so on in 2013 I graduated in 2011. And in 2013, Kids. I was working at a coffee shop. I know I, I almost said <laughs> I was three years old when you said when you're talking about 96 in your youth. And I'm like, man, I was three years old. <laughs> um, but, man, I I had this guy walked into our coffee shop and I was not supposed to work that night. Uh, my first time ever telling somebody they're fired as a manager. I was like, man, that felt really good, but really crappy at the same time because I have to now pick up that shift. Um but I, I was there, it was about 10.30 at night, we, we closed at 10, and this dude in a fedora and really tight skinny jeans knocked on the door, and I'm, again, Southwest Missouri, pretty hillbilly town, and I love my little town I'm from, and uh, he, he knocked on the door and was like, hey, I'm actually playing at this coffee shop in a couple of days, which I knew nothing about, he connected with the owner about it, and uh, he was like, I'm here to get a white mocha frap, and we just started talking, and uh, he happened to be an artist from Tampa, Florida. And I was like, what in the world? And I, man, I was in a really dark place in my life. I I was in bad relationships and again, just grew up in a broken home and was super depressed and just really trying to hone in on what I was supposed to do with my life. And all I did was just play drums. Um, And so I I just asked him, I'm like, well, man, if you ever need a drummer, let me know. And I don't know why that came out of my mouth, but it did. And he was like, sweet, cool, man. And walked out the door. Like there was, it was kind of like one of those idiot moments, you know, like, why did I say that? Um, but then literally I locked the door, turned around and right when I, you know, my bag was facing the door, he knocked on the door again and said, Hey, the Holy Spirit told me to book you a flight to Tampa, Florida next month. And I was like, who are you? Like, I just knew his name and that was it. And his name was Jeremy Vanderloop. Um, and, uh, I was like, dude, let's do it. I've been on a plane one time before then, and I've only <laughs> been to Florida once and, Uh, you know, so it was a really cool moment for me and I auditioned, you know, however that looks for a singer songwriter. (laughs) Uh, Literally we set up in this coffee shop and it was so awkward because he was like, all right, man, I'm going to do a worship set. Just play along with me. And that was my audition. And I'm like, did I make it? Like there was like 20 people there. Like, you know, I had no idea what he was going to do. So I was just going with it. Um, And I played out a couple of the churches with him the weekend I was there. And then he invited me along the tour. And that's uh, our first tour with him, it was a 20-day tour, so never in my life toured, and I got so—a lot of people made fun of me on that tour because I, I packed this massive army-looking duffel bag, and, you know, all these—the two other dudes that toured with us were like pros. One guy played with the Almost, and the other guy was this crazy, fancy guitar tech that used to tour with all these other dudes— And uh, they showed up with like the smallest little bags because apparently on tour, you just always wear the same clothes for me I thought you need a different (laughs) set of clothes each day So I literally packed for about 20 days, you know, uh, you know, just hoping we'd stop at a hotel for laundry But one of those nights we stayed at Josh and Rochelle's house um, And uh, that's I was actually really sick and that's how I met Josh but that following year Um, I went out on the road with him again. Then I played at lifelight, which I had no idea what it was, but, um, I met Josh there again. Uh, and that was in 2014. And then 2015, I saw Josh was on a tour with Aaron Gillespie and, uh, he was with the pulse. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them out of Minneapolis, but he was doing this massive, uh, reset tour with pulse ministries and Aaron and Sean McDonald were on that run. And I texted Josh and I was like, "Hey man, don't know if you remember me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I was like, uh, I saw you're coming through. I hung out at Lifelight with you. Would love to grab coffee." And he was like, "Dude, so glad you texted me. I actually don't have a ride from the airport. If you can, <laughs> if I, if you can pick me up." It's I was "Man, it's my yeah. Life. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. But it was such an awesome moment because I really that I, and I'm not saying this boastfully, but I, I did something I never thought uh, Chris Crenshaw could ever do. So I was still affiliated with the same coffee shop. Um, at this point, I was printing T-shirts full time for a printing company. Uh, but I was also organizing events for the same coffee shop that I met Jeremy out of. And uh, that that tour, the day of that tour... We're we're sitting behind you know hanging out with Aaron and Josh. Josh and I are just catching up you know talking life and just learning about each other like we didn't really know each other well, and uh, they got a text saying that the tour was like four was like three or four dates of that tour got canceled after that Missouri show, and and Josh was like well I guess we're hanging out here all weekend you know just like playing it off and Aaron was like well this sucks because. Aaron was with Paramore and as Mm -hmm. a drummer, I'm like a huge Aaron Gillespie fan as well. And he was currently playing for Paramore and in his rider, he asked for six hours of drum time by himself, which that's a real drummer right there, man. Like he's insane, like having six hours and he did. So I was like, well, man, I'll let you use my drum set. If you put on a free show in my hometown, which was 30 minutes away from the show, they were just playing. He was like done. And I set it up in my living room and he like shredded my drum set and destroyed every bit of my drum set, <laughs> um, but it was such a cool moment for me. But he literally, dude, in my line, six hours, yeah. Yeah. six hours. He was in like just doused in sweat. But it, it's so much dedication, and I, I, I love that he he takes his uh, you know craft very seriously. And that he definitely he's one of those ten thousand hour guys when it comes mm-hmm. to music. But yeah, man. So after that, I I happened to uh put on this show i had 24 hours to promote it and josh and i which josh had my back on this he told aaron he's like listen you need to call your management and tell them that you're about to play a free show and i was like i don't think it matters whatever aaron aaron posted on instagram that he's playing this free show didn't call his management. We got four different phone calls from Atlanta, LA, and then Nashville saying, this can't happen, blah, blah, blah. And, like, it was awesome. And Aaron just, like, went off on him. It was great. <laughs> but, like, it, it was super cool because in 24 hours in the small town of 10,000 people, we had, like, the, there was a line out the door uh, for a free Aaron Gillespie concert. And then that night, Josh is like, would you like to go on the road with me? And I'm like, heck yeah. So I, 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 it was, it was literally a month or two later. It was that Cutlass tour, which is where I met Daryl. So it was, it was just a really cool moment um, for me and I didn't realize I was much of a promoter, but I guess it's a free show. So, I mean, that's where I won, (laughs) I guess. But ever since, man, I've been, you know, LifeLight had me out running merch for that tour and then they hired me for their other festivals. And then, Uh, Josh has been asking me to work for him for the last four years since that and I just never really felt like because he'd always ask like if you if you come to lifelight we want to make sure that you're you're called to be here and like that's that's a massive thing for them that you're called to work there and so I just didn't really feel like it was the right time for me and then uh, he happened to ask me last year last spring and I I instantly like knew that was the right thing for me and my family so worked out.
1: Uh, real quick, Daryl, how many um, things have you repaired for Lifeline over the years? <laughs> uh, know that, that is a really life. good question, especially <laughs> when Remedy Drive comes to town. Oh I God. have no idea. <laughs>
2: Multiple. <laughs> yep. Wait, what happens lot.
3: with Remedy Drive stuff? Doesn't that
2: doesn't reflect on Lifeline?
0: That's just That doesn't count. <laughs> like,
1: oh. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you guys coming in. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, we need to wrap this, but good any last thoughts you have uh good good yeah. night <laughs> there you go uh, i appreciate that, it that, um, that wraps up this whole interview <laughs> you were but you were in town to do some meetings today um yeah what is the plan going forward i mean in in the midst of COVID right now, what's the plan in Milbank going forward?
0: So Milbank, South Dakota, uh, we're planning, along with the local churches and with the city, uh, we're planning a, a a service time. We're calling it uh, Milbank City Service and uh, that'll be happening this spring where we're going to pick out anywhere from a couple of days to a full week of the churches coming together and the churches just simply asking people around the community uh, hey what can we do to serve you because we want to show the city of Millbank that the churches are here they're here to serve they're here to love on people and and they're here to stay and uh and so we're doing that this spring uh so what, you guys what could can,
1: be some examples of, of uh man s- things like so if, if need.
0: someone needs uh some something done on their property or you know uh yard cleanup or someone needs food like we we want to as the as the church which christ has called us to serve the communities we want to provide those things you know so many times um uh Uh, people have needs and the church is supposed to be the ones to step up to provide for people's Mm -hmm. needs. And uh, so those are some of the things that we'll be doing this spring. You can go on lifelight.org and, and find out more information about that very soon. It's not up yet, but it'll be up very soon. So people can stay tuned for that or follow us on social media. Um, And then also next fall around this time, August 28th, right? August 28th. uh, We're doing the lifelight. Millbank festival again uh, next year weren't able to do it this year because the virus and it was wise we felt like it was best and and the safest thing to do for the community to not do it this year but postpone it till next year but now good news is now we get a full year to plan and prepare for it and we believe it's going to be the biggest best one yet absolutely awesome
1: very cool well, I appreciate very much Josh Brewer and Chris Crenshaw and Daryl Leeby the uh the local connection <laughs> <laughs> man um, <laughs> this is The Interview on the Mobile Bank Podcast Network. Thanks for listening. Um, if you have any more information, uh, if they need to reach out and get a hold of you guys, is there an email or something they can do?
0: Yes, absolutely. Life www.lifelight.org. You can also look at some on Facebook and Instagram or call Chris's cell phone number. I like it. <laughs> <And> that, <laughs> if you can find it, call
1: it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Awesome. Thanks so much. You guys have a safe journey on your way back to the the, the Sioux Falls uh, today. Thanks, Daryl, for bringing them in, working this out today. It was awesome. Yep. Excellent. Have a great day. We'll see you next time. Why is the website. If you have any questions, whymillblink at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and stay healthy.